Where are we? Are we in physical space right now? Or are we in the awareness of physical space? Are we physical creatures who happen to have consciousness of a physical material world? Or are we the awareness within this which this world appears? We are free to see it either way with no ability to prove which is the correct perspective. This is the perennial dispute between materialists and idealists. At the beginning of what we quaintly call the 20th century, in Western mainstream society, the materialists won. And they used the wedge of Darwinian evolutionary theory to edge out the social powers of religion. And they did this on behalf of capital and the materialist forces that were in control of the levers of society, which then were free to use the newly developing disciplines developed by a nephew of Freud, Edward Bernays, of public relations, propaganda, mind control, to re-engineer society in accord with those Darwinian principles of relativism and control by the fittest, however that is defined, which is defined by those who are in control, in order to change society to work for the elite that control it. And it was necessary to remove religion because that was the last obstacle, because religion posits absolute a priori values and they needed to be removed so that the value system of society could be changed at will in order to serve the particular interests of those who became an invisible hand that guided the further evolution of events in this world. And the Darwinians modified the earlier conception of the world produced by Sir Isaac Newton that the world is a machine, somewhat like a clock, 
that God originally designed the clock, wound it up, and then left it to work itself out according to the principles that the clock was made, made of and the watchmaker, as God was called quite often in those days, walked away and, and got involved in other things. <laughs> And this opened the way once people realized that God had lost all interest in us, even if he was there, to then modify it further and say, well, maybe there was no God who set this up at all, and this isn't really a machine at all. It's a random event, and everything that happens is purely by chance. And the word for randomness that Darwin used was that of natural selection. Now, a great scientist of the 20th century analyzed this concept of natural selection of Darwin's and said that the probabilities of the world as we experience it having been brought about by natural selection are approximately equivalent to that of a tornado going through a junkyard and putting everything together in the form of a Boeing 747. <laughs> complete with pilots and gassed up and ready to fly. Now, if you believe that mythology, then good luck. But that's basically the likelihood of Darwinism being correct. Now, at approximately the same time, Einstein was discovering relativity in 1905, and shortly after that, the explosion of quantum physics by Max Planck, Niels Bohr, Schrodinger, Heisenberg, an extraordinary array of geniuses, completely changed our worldview and left Darwinism in the dust. But somehow that message did not get communicated to society because the educational system was still in the hands of those who wanted the doctrine of Darwinism to remain dominant. And so it's very unlikely that any of you have in the formal educational system studied the actual metaphysical implications of quantum physics. And most biologists, even today, do not study quantum physics and therefore do not realize that there are alternative explanations much more probable. Now, one of the famous statements of Max Planck, who is the father of quantum physics, probably the greatest scientist, greater than Einstein, who ever lived, is that we can no longer think of the universe as a machine, as did Newton, or certainly not as some random event, but that the universe has to be and is clearly from the evidence of quantum physics structured as a dream. Now, this hit the scientists uh, very hard. But it shouldn't have, because this has always been the way 
that the sages of every culture have considered the universe to be. I mean, even kids, I think they still sing Life is But a Dream. The famous uh, Spanish playwright Calderón de la Barca, La Vida es Sueño, right? That was back in, what, the 1600s. And you remember the famous monologue that sums it up in the middle of the play, if I can remember it. Que es la vida, un frenesí. Que es la vida, una ilusión, una sombra, una ficción. Y la más grande bien es pequeño, que toda la vida es sueño. Y los sueños, sueños son. Our dreams are dreams within dreams. But then why is the world a frenesí? It's a frenzy because those beings within the dream are not in contact with the dreamer. Now, human beings within this structure of the dream have been designed in a very particular way, that we too have the freedom to dream. And our organisms are built in such a way as to maximize our freedom. We are, not, unlike the birds, not committed to a particular environment, unlike the snakes, unlike the hippopotami, unlike the bears. We can live in many different environments and we can create new environments. And through our power to dream, we can create new technologies. And we have sent humans to the moon. We have a robot on Mars taking pictures. Most of the pictures we don't get, they're kept secret, by the way. Most of the pictures from the International Space Station that is flying around the Earth as we speak the only place where a Russian and an American are still friendly. Uh, many things are seen that are not delivered to the general public, but the freedom of the human being to dream new ways of living, both for evil purposes and for good, is extraordinary. Now, if the dream theory of quantum physics is correct, and the unified quantum field that the physicists speak of is actually a field of intelligence, an ocean of intelligent awareness, out of which come waves of thought that then produce particles, and those particles come together according to the will of the dreamer, which then produces creatures who have dreams within dreams, and those dreams then lead to greater complexity and differentiation within the dream, and it becomes an extraordinary panorama of an infinite fractalized universe. And the dream has many, many levels to it because there are dreaming intelligences at every level of the phenomenal and the trans-phenomenal levels of the universe. There are angelic levels. Those who have gone through near-death experiences come back to tell us about them. And there are many other realms to this infinitely complex dream. But there is a dreamer, a single intelligence, 
dreaming up the entirety of the dream that we call reality. Within the dream, at the level of this planet and this species, our situation has reached criticality, a situation in which we face extinction, in which none of the systems that have been imposed on society any longer function. And we face either collapse and mass extinction, or there needs to be a renewal of the dream. But even those who control society, who brought it to the impasse that it is now in, are themselves without any power to change the situation. They themselves are committed to the system and the system is broken. And there are no more levers of power which can alter the trajectory of this little boat that's going over a huge waterfall at any moment. If there is any power at this moment to change our destiny from one of utter mass self-destruction to a renaissance and a new world of beauty and a new lease on life. It is through contacting the intelligence that is the dreamer of the dream. That quantum physics has proved must be here is the only power responsible that could be responsible for this universe. It is now a scientific theory that there is an intelligent dreamer of this dream, not simply a religious mythology. And that understanding has not been communicated to the general public. But if that th scientific theory is correct, and all the sages of history and every culture say that it is and have proven it, then we are capable of supernormal capacities if only we are in resonance with that power that is the dreamer of the dream and let go of our identification with the creature who finds itself in the dream wondering what is going on. If we can shift our attention and the center of our consciousness from the belief that we are material creatures to the realization that we are the awareness co-creating the dream of this world of material creatures, then we will gain access to the power of redreaming the destiny of these creatures. And the only power we have for survival lies at that level of consciousness. And the only possibility for our own happiness lies at that level of consciousness.
Now it was this realization that began to move Carl Jung away from Freudianism. And what he discovered in his work as a psychiatrist at a, a very well-known uh, asylum in Switzerland, the Bergholzli Institute, was that the psychotic patients that he was dealing with, in their delusional hallucinations, <clears throat> were actually talking about what he recognized as archetypes. He recognized that they were reenacting mythologies that they had never read about and had no clue about, but that were being emitted as signs through their minds, which had lost touch with the normal indoctrinated world of the ego. They were not able to make sense of their own words, of their own discourse, of their own drawings, of their own delusions. But where did they come from, Jung wondered. <clears throat> what are they tapping into without having any clue? Is it possible that they're tapping into that same level of the Akashic records as it's known in the East, or as Plato called it, the realm of forms or ideas? And that this realm, this noosphere, as Teilhard de Chardin, a paleontologist and Roman Catholic priest spoke about it, that this realm is actually governing what occurs on this phenomenal plane. And Jung became obsessed with understanding this archetypal dimension. But what he came to realize at a certain point is that these archetypal thoughts, although they're universal rather than particular thoughts, still require a thinker, that he did not get to the ultimate realm. He did not get far enough. And so he took a trip to India to meet Ramana Maharshi, the man in the giant photograph up there. But the day he was scheduled to meet him, Jung got cold feet. He couldn't face Ramana because he knew that the moment he looked into Ramana's eyes, he would meet the dreamer and his dream of Jungian psychology would dissolve instantly. It would become irrelevant. And his own ego wouldn't permit him to have that confrontation. It was an extraordinary moment that determined the trajectory of Western culture. And East and West could not come together. A fatal moment but a moment that Jung later reflected upon in his autobiography. And he said that his ego structure did not have the assignment to go beyond the platonic realm. And he had a very important dream that there was a yogi in a cave who was dreaming up Carl Jung. And when that yogi awoke, Carl Jung would die. And that what needed to happen was for Carl Jung to awaken while the yogi was still asleep and dreaming him and become the yogi, and then he could save the world. But he could not manage to wake up. And the same question that Carl Jung faced 
and that he failed to be able to resolve during his life, which is the sleep of the dreamer, is can you awaken to the dreamer of the dream who is within you at this very moment and awaken to your own power to redream this world as a heaven rather than a hell. Do you have the courage? Do you have the will? Do you have the love to propel you to awaken from your own dream of life and realize the truth that you are the dreamer? This is the real question we all face. And once we know where we are, we can then finally know who we are. And once we know who we are, we can change everything that is to reflect the goodness, the love, the joy, the wisdom, the beauty of the dreamer, of the benevolent God who the dreamies can no longer believe in or connect with, but who is dreaming us with this one possibility of breaking through and becoming lucid in our dream and achieving what religion calls salvation. The saving from the suffering of what has become an evil, disastrous nightmare to once again becoming a dream of love and happiness. Each one of us has the power to break through the sleep of the ego and awaken to the power of redreaming our world, which is only a dream but we must recognize that we are not these petty physical organisms who are helpless in the face of vast powers, but that we ourselves are the most vast power imaginable. And stop acting like victims and attain victory over the delusion that you are a creature and realize the power of the Creator who sleeps within your heart. This is the one question that we have very little time to answer before this video game is up and over. Victory can still be attained at the very last moment if we awaken. And I hope those of our visitors who have taken to heart what you have learned here will con continue to reflect upon this matter and to take seriously that you have the power to change not only your own life for the good, but life itself 
because we are all connected. And quantum physics has proven that as well. We are entangled in a super dream of which each of us is dreaming tiny fractal fragments, but they all fit together into a single whole. And the most coherent level of intelligence rules. The level of intelligence that is the most benevolent, the most all-inclusive and all-encompassing and pervasive, that has the most beauty, that has the most love, the most wisdom, that signal will overcome the noise of all the lower levels of chaotic consciousness and enable the dream signal to be carried by all the transceivers within the dream so that the redreaming happens in resonance of every dreamer who is present as a node of consciousness within the dream. This is the ancient metaphor of the net of Indra, a very important cosmological theory that has also been proven to be accurate by quantum physics. We have great potential, but the potential does not lie with money, it does not lie with military power, it does not lie with the internet, it does not lie with any technology. It's the psychotechnology of consciousness itself that must be reactivated from its atrophied and dormant state. so that the true lever of power can be utilized to transform our world. May we all have the wisdom and the courage and the integrity to use our intelligence and our love in the service of the most beautiful redreaming of this dream imaginable to our hearts. And know this, that whoever surrenders to that dreamer and says, I need your grace, dreamer, I cannot do it alone, it is that act of surrender that brings the power. If that act alone is wholehearted, the unity, the reunification, the yoga between the dreamer, the sat, and the dreamy is attained. The critical number of those who achieve realization in order to make this transformation a reality is not that large. It's the quality of consciousness, not the quantity of people, because it's one intelligence. 
and it will emanate and disseminate quickly, instantaneously, faster than the infant internet, because thought is infinitely rapid. It will disseminate at a certain moment when people have given up the illusion that they have control and they are entirely in despair. And there will be a return to belief in God because there are no atheists in foxholes and there will be no atheists at that moment when we have entirely lost hope. And it's at that moment that the thought that awakens all will enter into the brain matter of every conscious human being. And at that last moment, the dream can still be redreamed. But there have to be enough transmitters operating at that point to be able to get the message received by every lost soul seeking the light. May we be part of those transmitting agencies who bring the good news of the quantum wave of redemption to our suffering planet. I wish you all blessings on the awakening, the illumination, and the liberation of your true self.